Hey, folks, I'm Tom. Keith Jones here. Big thank you to the Dunlap Champions Club, longtime sponsors of Front Row Knowles. Football season is here, folks. If nothing else, do yourself a favor. Call 644-1830. Schedule a tour of the Champions Club if you haven't been in it yet. Or better yet, purchase a ticket to one game and sample it. Find somebody who's got a member. I don't think you can buy just one game ticket. Find somebody who has has a Champions Club ticket and go with them. Check it out. Once you do, you'll be hooked. It is a great place to watch a ball game, get the opportunity to get up, get out of. If there's any heat, if there's any weather whatsoever, you can go inside. Multiple TVs, food and drink. It's a wonderful wonderful place to catch an fsu football game air conditioning air conditioning too that's important reserve chair back seats uh, you can do a three-game package for uh, 6.99 uh, plus a booster membership of 70 dollars or more if you include the miami game in that but just call the number 644-1830 they'll tell you what options are available and you can go from there at this point you've got no other option than to listen to the rest of this program here's front row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ. Good to see you, Keith. Good mood. Good mood. Good mood. Happy, happy, happy. Yeah, you're dressed in shorts. You're not at the office today, huh? Well, you know, every now and then. Mental, mental health day. Did you go home and watch your wife cut the yard, or what happened today? I, that's, that's what I did. Did you? Yeah, how about that? Okay. You know, I'm getting a disgusted look from Matthew. That really wasn't a shot. His wife is the one who likes to get out there on the tractor. Am I right? Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, see, that was a factual statement. Very much so. I know way too much about your life. And now our listeners do as well. Oh. Two and two. Two and this two. This is pretty much where we've been for the last four years or so, I think. Maybe one and three one year in there. But but in need of a win to try and get through September uh, above 500. So this is this is a big game. And it's that target keeps moving. Uh, nobody's going to look at Clemson as a big game because nobody's going to expect that Florida State will do anything other than lose in that one. But this one you got to get. Very much so, uh, and and for a lot of reasons. And I know longstanding Florida State fans, you know, that are accustomed to, you know, Florida State winning every ACC league game by 30 points plus, uh, you know, are not going to really – they're going to roll their eyes when we say that, you know, NC State is a good ball club and this is going to be a tough – run and, and but you got to win it you know people are going you know we should beat them by 30 or 35 every year well no it's it's the league has changed and Florida State certainly has changed now you just want to get wins and back to your point you want to leave September um on a, with a winning record and then start plotting your way through the rest of the schedule because it certainly doesn't get any easier didn't look like leaving September with a winning record was going to be possible uh, early in that fourth quarter last week. But Florida State did flip the script, which has been the talking point. I know Louisville's not great, but I don't think it's insignificant that they actually made some plays there. And there's been a lot of talk about the comments and sort of the psyche that goes with our team's got to learn how to win or we got to learn how to finish and those sort of things. But I can just tell you when I'm on the sideline, and it's been this way for a couple years, you see guys that have doubt in their eyes and in their mind or at least questions or at least questions at least questions and so uh, you know and they may and they're braggadocious they'll get out there and get in your face but you know in some respects it's whistling in the graveyard you know through a graveyard Mm -hmm. because they don't know for sure how it's going to turn out so every time that it does turn out for the positive to me that's a step forward in terms of confidence and potentially a better result next time out the the one of the best things that I heard taken away from that ball game last week was some of the comments that the kids made about what the locker room was like after the ball game. You know, it, it was almost like there was a sense of relief or, or uh, you know, the shackles had been thrown off or, uh, you know, weight off the shoulders and, you know, finally we've done it. And, and, and there was a, a true sense of relief and, and a sense of accomplishment you know, not not that we got close and we fell short, but we we had our backs against the wall. We responded, yes, acknowledging that's not a top ten ball club that we beat in Louisville, but we did the things we needed to do in order to win the ball game. And there was a sense of relief and accomplishment that apparently was very evident in that locker room after the ball game. To the point that some people took exception that they were celebrating too much, perhaps. But maybe, maybe, but you know, I I can understand it. 
Yeah, I, I can too. They needed that. The coaches needed that, not just for themselves, but for the players. When you're trying to teach them, saying this is the way you got to do it. You got to do it this way, Keith. You got to do it this way, Keith. You got to do it this way, Keith. At some point, if the result's not what you want it to be, you start co- Keith, qu- Keith, you start questioning. Keith's asking questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that, that's why it mattered. Let me ask you this about uh, offense. Cam Akers has been tremendous, although his yards per carry has gone down game one, two, three, four. Yeah, but his effort, his effort, anybody that saw that game, his effort was outstanding. Here's the question, and I have my opinion on this, but Cam Akers had a bad ankle last year. So how much of the improved running game right now is an improved offensive line under Clements and better play calling under Bryles, and how much of it is Cam Akers is healthy? I would tell you that if I had to put a percentage – I would say it's probably 75% Cam Akers healthy, 25% improved line because he is still getting hit at the line of scrimmage and sometimes behind the line of scrimmage. If his 400, what's he got, 499 yards plus or minus? I think. I would be willing to bet you that 400 plus of those yards are coming after contact. Uh, you know, he, he very rarely is skirting through without somebody getting a shoulder pad or a hand on him. I want to make this positive because that's kudos to Cam because I think that Bryles and Clements have done a really good job with what they have, both in scheme and in and in getting the, the offensive linemen to believe, know their assignments, be more confident. But that said, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think that, that Cam is largely responsible and, for a lot and of that. And by no means am I saying there hasn't been improvement on an offensive line, and by no means am I saying that the play calling has not been creative and, and they're not finding correct and creative ways to get the ball in Cam's hands. I'm just saying from what I'm seeing, and I haven't gone back and graded the tape, and I haven't sat down with Kendall and had him tell me, well, you know, Cam was supposed to go here, and he went there. Even though he picked up five, he picked up eight if he'd gone over here, if that ever happens. I've not had that explained to me. I'm just saying and as look at looking at it, he still is having to do a lot on his own, and he is doing a lot on his own, and the the numbers back it up. What was the Bryles quote about it? Uh, Cam Cam can make you look right even when you're wrong, or something, or something like that. Yeah. 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 Some, yeah, some which speaks. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like the 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 receiver that has the big catch radius can make the quarterback look real accurate even if the ball was behind him, in front of him, or over his head. Didn't, that, for example, the catch that Matthews made. I was just going to say, D.J. Matthews is not the guy you paint as the big catch radius guy, but that was quite a catch. Let's talk about the quarterback thing here. We'll get into this with Bob Ferrante in our next segment. Also, Bob Brayman will join us, the uh, head track and field coach at FSU. Just got a new extension. We'll talk about well that. Well-deserved extension. Future of his program. He's got a, a chance to take his uh, tracksters uh, onto the short list of teams that could win a national title this year, so we'll have that conversation. But the quarterback situation with a bye week next week, regardless of how Blackman's moving around right now, do, do you just sit him and play Hornerbrook? Or if Blackman is truly 100%, then you go back and say, here's he's our starting guy. I, 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 I guess personally, I, I sit him. And, and, and the reason I do that is twofold. Number one, I now have game experience to know that, that the fall off, if any, doesn't exist going to Hornerbrook. And number two, I want Blackman healthy. In other words, even against NC State, if if I was going to run him six times and because he's got a bad wheel, I don't, I don't run him those six times, that's six plays I'd rather have Hornerbrook in there. And I'd let, I'd rather Blackman get healthy and, and get him ready because we've got the bye week and then you go to Clemson, which is going to be just an unbelievable uh, test. Uh, you know, most people would think, you know, the argument there in that game will be how much, not if. You know, how much will they get beat by? But I sit him, let Alex play, and let him get healthy. But I'm not there. I haven't talked to the doctors. That's just me me making a call. Yeah, the other guy would be Jawan Williams, who's coming off a bad ankle. It just seems like why would you force him back right now if you can get him what, in essence, is an extra two weeks Correct. by, by sitting one game? And I sure hate it for uh, Lars Woodby. I, 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 that kid is a – first of all, he's an outstanding person. And he had played – you know, changed position. He was playing himself in. And you just you just hate to see something like that happen. Obviously, we, we hate to see it happen for Kane Doe as well. Uh, but um, that, that, that'll be a loss. That'll be something that, that Florida State will have to find a way to, to work around because I think he was – I think he was on the verge of being a very, very steady and 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 good player. Well, I think Amari Gaynor is going to be a big part of the answer there now. 
and you know, I, I, Amari played most of the second half. Uh, he made a couple mistakes, but the one thing about Gainer is is his speed. He he is as fast as advertised, and doesn't mind accelerating into a ball carrier every now and then. He doesn't shy away from 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 contact either. Um, now he's young, and he, he'll, he'll I'm sure he'll make some mistakes, but but he's a player. He you know I like I like the way he looks. He graded out really well last week too, so more of him may not be a bad thing. I'll remind you uh, real quickly that uh, what better way to kick off Oktoberfest week than with a with a bunch of adorable dogs? That's what they're doing at Township this week. Adorable dogs? Yeah, is there any other kind? It's kind well, of I thought those were you... puppies. I've seen some. I don't ugly think dogs. they're all puppies. Anyway, they're hosting a Dogtoberfest on September 29th. Bring out your pup. To your point, receive a free dog treat with any brunch food. Kathy and I were at uh, Madison Social last Thursday night for a um, risk management insurance department function, and so we're uh, walking down Madison Avenue, and I hear, "Hey, buddy!" Madison Street. I mean, Madison we're, we're trying to be New York. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Freudian slip. I hear, "Hey, buddy!" And I turn around. It was Leonard Hamilton. <laughs> he was up on there. He was talking on the phone, but he hollered at me. I said, "Hey, coach." He had a huge smile on his face. I think I think this is probably his favorite time of the year. So I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I saw Leonard uh, at lunch the other day as well. He was in the UC club, and he was having lunch with Dennis Gates. No longer on his staff, but obviously Coach Gates was down here uh, maybe picking the expert's brain a little bit <laughs> or about maybe cleaning out his house. <laughs> yeah, or maybe, what did I walk into, Coach? How do you, <laughs> you didn't tell me about this. No, it was good to see Coach Gates. I wished him well. They were having lunch at the, uh, at the UC club. All right, so football, Keith, two and two. Uh, if they get a win this week, they'll be three and two. I had them four and one at this point uh, because I had a loss against Virginia. I say at this point, if they beat in NC State, so it still goes back to the Boise one sitting there. But I do like that the trend uh, has been, and it, it's hard because of the caliber of competition. But to me, when you look at uh, the fewer penalties, which really outside of the discipline, personal foul stuff on the defense, there, there's been a lot less pre-snap penalties and offsides. Although Bavion's doing something with the ball before yeah. he centers it that they don't like. But but in general, those have been way down. Um, and and people are finding their gaps and, and seem to be in the right place. They're not always making plays, but they're, they're closer to being in the right place than they were a month ago. Well, Or think, when we kicked off the season, whatever think, day that was. I think most people would say that the, the group that is uh, struggled the most is the secondary. And obviously – People that have listened to me know that I've been extraordinarily cr- critical. They have started playing better. Now, having said that, people will say, yeah, but they gave up the long 74-yard touchdown. They gave up the, the corner route uh, for a touchdown. Yeah, but the kids were where they were supposed to be. They just didn't make a play. Well, you can't make a play if you ain't where you're supposed to be. So the first thing you got to do is get where you're supposed to be. And in both of those situations – the, the defensive backs uh, had proper technique where they were. They just didn't make a play. Now that's the next step. You've got to get your hand on that ball, and you've got to get the ball down. You've got to get a little bit closer and get across a on that, on that uh, touchdown, um, the out route on the touchdown. Uh, in other words, corner out, yeah, yeah. beat Dent. Yeah, you, you, you take away the inside, and then you sprint to the outside. Well, he took away the inside, and he didn't sprint. But he was he he was doing the right thing. He just didn't finish it. Those are coachable things. Those are those are things that you can reinforce. Those are things that are fixable. If I'm not in the proper position, I never get to the point of making the play. So I'm encouraged by that. And as I'll probably talk about all show long, I thought the defensive line had an exceptional ball game. Marvin and company, I thought were just unbelievable. They've been good all year long. Marvin's been unbelievable up front. I mean, you just don't put up numbers like what he's putting up as a as a D tackle. Correct. And I know he moves outside when they're when they're in a three-man front odd front. Anyway, uh steps in the right direction. NC State big one under the nights fam- uh, under the lights rather family weekend. There'll be a better crowd this week. It's really the only way to go on on that department. But I do think when you look at the crowd real quick and then we'll wrap up. You got family weekend. Uh, Syracuse's homecoming, which will bring some folks in, and then you have Miami. So the, I think the next three will be better than I what hope we so. saw. I hope so. Obviously, the ultimate result on the scoreboard plays a factor in that, too. We'll step aside, continue the football conversation with our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, right after this.
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles, riding a one-game winning streak. Tom and KJ with you. Hey, streaks have to start somewhere. They have to start somewhere. Hopefully we double it, in fact, this weekend. And to talk more about that, we welcome our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Bob, how are you? Good, guys. How are you? Good. Boy, that felt like a story or a movie we had seen before. And then, lo and behold, there was, uh, you know, another chapter to it. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt very much like we have seen this movie before, and we know how it ends. And, and unfortunately, it, it sort of looked like the Titanic was going to go down yet again. But um, you know, Cyrus Fagan came through with I think was just a clutch interception that you know built some momentum that this team desperately needed on offense and defense. And, and from there, you just kind of saw the tide turn. How important do you think one win can be? winning in the fashion that they did, Bob, understanding that it's not a great football team they beat, but also understanding that they took a step by at least coming from behind. Yeah, I think this team needed to learn how to finish. You know, Coach Taggart said learn to win. I, I kind of adjust that in my mindset. It's learn to finish. It's how you play in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. I'm still concerned with how many points they're scoring in the third quarter. It's only three points and now 60 minutes of football. But the way they played in the fourth quarter, again, forcing a turnover, had to have it, then some late drives put together by Alex Hornibrook, you know, that's, that's a real confidence builder moving forward. And now if you can carry that momentum into NC State, get some good feeling into the bye week, you know, you're, you're three and two, that's really where, where you want to be. Bob, obviously we probably won't know till Saturday, but what's your thought on whether we'll see Blackman? Uh, at quarterback against NC State? You know, after the game Saturday going into Sunday, I thought um, no way we're going to see James Blackman against NC State. He's got an MCL sprain and a bone bruise, and you don't come back too quickly from a bone bruise. That that really, really hurts, and it limits your mobility. And and even with him not running a ton in this Kendall Browse offense, I, I would question how much you could use him. Now on Tuesday morning, seeing him at practice, he's moving around well, throwing the ball, jogging. I, I still question, again, we had a limited window to see him on Tuesday. You don't want to see him get too many hits. I don't know how, how effective is he as a runner. What's his pocket mobility? You have a lot of questions. So yeah, the safe move is definitely to go Alex Hornibrook, but I, I think you know, what you see with James is he's making every effort to try and play in this game. It feels like the smarter play and an easy call, given that there's an off week next week, is just to give him more time and and play Hornerbrook. But we'll see what they decide to do. I mean, if you just do a simple Google, because Google's always accurate. When you talk about a sprained MCL, I mean, the, the short term... It's supposed to be two to four weeks. And that's the short end. Right. Or it could go four to six weeks. So, you know, five days when you have an off week the next week and a capable backup... Seems like maybe pushing it, but we'll see how that that uh, that uh, plays out. Hey, I know Jerry Kutz has uh, done an in-depth piece on the Osceola about Jim Levitt and sort of what he's brought to the table. Can you shed any more light on uh, on, on what's in that uh, that article and what what and and the second part, I guess, really is how much do you think Levitt's responsible for what seems to be improved defensive play the last two weeks? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things we can see is some personnel moves. You know, he's he's made some suggestions. And, and I think we're seeing some more effective play at linebacker. You know, the guys are, are fitting the gaps really well, and that it led to a better run defense. I think that has a lot of uh, you know, Jim Levitt's fingerprints on it. This wasn't maybe the best game for the FSU secondary statistically, Louisville. There were a couple of really big pass plays where, where guys went for it, and you know, we saw the, the long pass play where Asante either got a hand on it or, or just missed it, and it ends up being a long touchdown. So uh, maybe statistically this one doesn't feel good from a pass defense standpoint. But I think Levitt is really active. I think he's doing as much as he can as an analyst and as, as the NCAA would allow him. And, you know, 
again, part of it could just be confidence and swagger and bringing this defense to a point where they feel confident in what they can accomplish on Saturdays. I thought the defensive line had their, their best game, obviously, of the year, and I thought the three guys inside – were really dominant. I mean, I, I realize who you're playing, and, and, and you know they're not the greatest running attack in the world, although their statistics were, were fa- heavily in favor of the running attack. But I thought the three guys up front had a, had a wonderful game. Yeah, I agree. Marvin Wilson has had some really good games and some great games. This is probably up there with some of the best, maybe the best that he's ever played. And honestly, to play this many snaps, he's out there constantly. Robert Cooper is just... A big boy, tough to move, Corey Durden. You know, if, if you think about two of the most consistent defensive players all year, even with the struggles early on, it's probably Big Marv and, and Corey Durden. And, you know, it comes back to a great position coach. Odell Hagens has got those guys ready, you know, every week to be in position to make some plays. And, um, you know, if, if there's signs of, of positive uh, growth from the defense, I think it does start up front with, with how you stop the run. Can you do this every week? And, you know, Louisville and NC State are, are maybe not the toughest uh, offense to face, but it's a good way of, of showing progress through the season. And we've seen that progress the last two weeks against the run. Another opportunity, I think, to take a step forward this week against NC State, too. Let's talk about Jaden Lars would be in that position, and certainly we wish him the best as he's out for the year. So I guess they moved a, say, a freshman safety down there, but is this going to be Amari Gaynor taking the bulk of the snaps there? And if so, how do you think he'll uh, handle that role? You know, it's a really good question, and I think there's a lot of different answers to it, from Gaynor to the safety Brennan Gant, who seems to have that strong safety mold, a, a guy who's willing to come down and be a thumper. Um, I'm still curious about how much Hampson Dean can do as far as being less of a safety and more of a linebacker type, they, they've got to figure some things out, and, and maybe they're not the best answers in the world, but obviously you can't go out there and, and make a trade at the deadline. You've got to use the players that you have. I I really have enjoyed watching Amari Gaynor. I don't think he's gotten as many snaps as maybe we thought, but he stood out from August on. He looked you know, like an effective player in shorts, and he's played really well. Um, in games on Saturdays, I think I would roll with Gainer, and I'd like to see more of a guy like Julio McCray. See if Emmett Rice is able to uh, to step in and make some plays too. Is there any chance we're going to see a different place kicker this week? <laughs> you know, I asked Coach Taggart on Monday about Ricky Aguayo, and you, you could still sense the frustration was there 48 hours later, and. Um, I think there's a really good chance, yes. Um, so Florida State has options. You can go with Parker Grothhouse to walk on. You can go with Ryan Fitzgerald, true freshman. He hasn't kicked in a college game, but he owns almost all of the Georgia high school records. Very consistent kicker with a strong leg. You know, it's, it's going to come down to what Taggart feels, uh, who he is most confident in. And I don't know if the confidence is there in Ricky right now. Although coaches said that Ricky bounced back on Sunday and was kicking well in practice, it, it just something was clearly off on Saturday. I know you guys noted there was a lot of wind there on the field. Maybe that played into the psyche of him, but in the end, he wasn't trusting himself and trusting what he could do. So maybe that's going to prompt Taggart to make a move. I tell you what, when you've already put in a walk on punter and you put in Growth House to handle kickoffs and they haven't missed a beat, it may be you're a little less hesitant to, to make that move than you would be if you hadn't seen that success there. I, I want to go back to the offense, and you, and you mentioned this. I, Keith, I don't know that we've talked deeply about this, but the third quarter, more the third quarter than the second quarter, what's going on in the third quarter? Is this that they're lethargic coming out of the, the, the half? They're sitting on a lead, and they think they've got it wrapped up. The other team is making that many adjustments. It's a rhythm thing, and now that they've not been out there for 20 minutes, they, they just can't get the rhythm back. To what do you attribute the uh, – I'm trying to think of the best word for it. Well, it, it Disappearance it, of the offense in the third quarter. It's the ability to stop and start and, and to refocus and re-energize, and, and, and you've got to learn to do that. That's a, 
that's not something you normally do because exactly right. You get into a rhythm, you want to keep that rhythm, and all of a sudden you're sitting for 20 minutes. But it's a it's a it's a mind thing, uh, Bob. I, I'll let you weigh in. I, I think I think the coaches could do a little better job at halftime. I think that's one area where the coaches could do a little better job at halftime about getting the kids back into things and reminding them and encouraging them and all the other things that go into that. Uh, I'm not in that locker room at halftime, but I know just from observance, they they come out and they run around for four or five minutes, but they don't seem to re-engage, so to speak. Bob, what's your thoughts? I agree with all your comments there. I think it's all the above. I, I do question whether... You know, would Alex Hornibrook make a difference if he is the starter on Saturday? Is he more consistent for four quarters? If it's James Blackman on Saturday, are you a little bit crazy enough to try a different quarterback in the third quarter just to give it a different look to try Hornibrook then as a third quarter option for a drive, maybe two, just to see if the focus is a little bit better? I I'm kind of with you guys. You know, why is this team not executing in the third quarter? Clearly some field goals missed have affected just having three points in the four uh, games so far in the, three, in the third quarter. But you have to figure out a solution. Is it a quarterback? Is it coaching adjustments that just aren't translating through execution? Why is this? Because you, you can't be this flat for 15 minutes. You put your defense in a really bad spot. You're not playing complementary football. And, and that's why these games are so tight in the fourth quarter. I have not asked, but I, I, I definitely know the last three weeks, Florida State has come out of the locker room earlier at halftime. After the Boise game, they made a point, and, and you can see, and they've come out earlier than the opponent, too, who comes out with about three minutes on the clock, and FSU's come out between four and five. To your point, Keith, though, it's more stretching, and they're out there, but it's not running patterns, per se, or what they're doing before the game. So that's an interesting idea you float there about Hornybrook. And, you know, if we do see Alex this week and he plays well, you've got a really uh, tough call if you're the coaching staff, probably, in terms of how you handle those two quarterbacks going forward. But... Uh, It would be a pleasant problem. I'm not opposed to that idea you just floated, though, because to me it almost feels like, you know, you hear about coaches that script the first 10 or 15 plays of the game. Maybe they need to have the first 10 or 15 of the second half scripted, too. Uh, And I realize the defense adjusts to you during the game. But but something that they've worked on repeatedly that they're going to come out and run in that first or second drive of the third quarter because it's several games now where they, they literally are one score away from the other team quitting and they just leave the door open. Yeah, I, I agree. I think something has to be done, and, and I'd like to see Hornybrook play a little bit if, if Blackman is a starter. And I think if Hornybrook is a starter, you can roll with him and see how the game unfolds. We saw a very consistent, precise, decisive passer in Hornybrook, and, and maybe the offense just kind of rolls a little bit better throughout the game, and you don't have that lull in the third quarter. Um, they're, they're getting away with it you know, against Louisville, didn't get away with it against Virginia and, and Boise. And you know, again, this is a team that's two and two could very easily be three and one. And, and I think as you look at victories, getting towards six wins and beyond getting to be bowl eligible, you've absolutely got to have this game against NC state, not just confidence going to the bye, but securing win number three, because the schedule gets tougher, you know, not just Clemson, that weight game looks brutal. Syracuse could be a toss-up. Boston College with A.J. Dillon is never any fun. Miami and, and Florida, Florida are always Miami and Florida. Miami and Florida. Yeah, exactly. So it's this schedule, the way it unfolds, you look at NC State and it's like, just got to have this one. I feel pretty good about Alabama State, but that's just me. Out on a limb there, are you, are you not, Tom? I just want to quote what Bob just said. He said, Wake Forest looks brutal. Quote, unquote. When did you think we'd ever say that, Bob? Anyway, let's 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 evolve the conversation. We'll have that week to talk about the Demon Deacons. <laughs> Basketballs have been rolled out. The women's team has started practice, I believe. The men's team later this week, and optimism is high in both camps. They both uh, should be pretty doggone good this year. Yeah, we had a chance to talk to Coach Sue Stemrau yesterday, and this could be a really fun team to watch. They've got three senior veterans: you know, Kaya Gillespie, Naja Wolfolk, and Nikki Akamu, and I remember watching this team 20, 25 years ago. Never thought we would see a uh, a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans here on, on the women's basketball roster. But imagine they have three now. They have, you know, Valencia Myers and Sammy Pusas 
Mason River, Baldwin. This is even with the injuries, even with all the knee injuries they've had on the women's side. This is quite a loaded roster. Really should be fun to watch. Trent Forrest will be the man on the men's side. Well, and on the men's side too, we, we've got to come up with some nicknames because I I'm not going to be able to pronounce half of the roster on on Leonard's side, Bob. Yeah, I just talked with Dominic, and I won't attempt to pronounce his last name, but he's a seven-footer from Poland, a well-traveled center who's played uh, internationally for the Polish national team in China this uh, this summer. He's uh, played at Drake and Ole Miss, and now he's here in Tallahassee. And I think, you know, Coach Hamilton loves those seven-footers, and Stan Jones loves to develop them. Just, you know, we get the latest kind of piece to the puzzle as they're trying to replace you know, so many key players from last year's team. And I think surround guys like Trent Forrest and MJ Walker and Devin Vassell with a, with a big man down low. Bob, we'll let you go on this, but I know Jerry and uh, the Osceola crew continue to put together podcasts. I guess Charlie Ward is uh, on the latest and greatest. Is that right? Yeah, I, I have to, to chuckle because uh, Charlie Ward was driving when he did the podcast and he was very mobile, just like his playing days. So, um, it's an entertaining interview, and as you know, Charlie's son Caleb is on the roster, and he's very close to the program yet again. You know, close to Coach Taggart, he's hung out at practices, and I think he kind of gives a good perspective as far as you know this program's growth in year two with Coach Willie Taggart. And it's it's an enjoyable listen. Jerry and Charlie obviously go way back, and so they talk about the old days and, and a little bit about uh, what's going on here in 2019. Sounds good, Bob. Appreciate the insight and the work you do at the Osceola. Take care, guys. Thanks, Bob. That is uh, Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider. You can subscribe to the Osceola. More information online at theosceola.com. $6.95 monthly or $74.95 for the year. Appreciate Bob joining us as always. He did so via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. I still can't get used to Charlie wearing glasses. You know, he, he still seems like he's 22 years old to me, and he's, you know, or having gray, 40s, or having, or gray, having gray hair. You know, the one that's really gotten me is P-Dub. Pete, I hope you're not listening right now, but he is, <laughs> he, he's gotten the grays, but he still looks pretty good. I'm trying to think what game this was. Uh, we'll go to break on this. Might have been the ULM game, but but pregame, Warwick was standing over there as they're running routes, and uh, Blackman throws a pass, and it goes right off of a receiver's hands. And here's Peter Warwick standing out of bounds behind the rope, 10 yards away, and he just reaches up with one hand and grabs it, and it was a complete replay only off the field of the 98 game against Florida, and he was just kind of smiling. I'm like, I've, I've seen I've that. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen that one before. All right, we'll come back, continue to talk Florida State Athletics. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. We are back on Front Row Knowles, and we'll put aside the football talk for now. We're going to talk some FSU track and field with the longtime head coach, national champion, Head coach multi 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 yeah let's not short him Bob Brayman who uh, just signed a five year extension and uh, he remains the future of Florida State track and field coach how are you oh I'm doing great guys congratulations on the extension I know you've put a lot of hard work into this program and uh, I think your quote in the release sort of summed it up <laughs> you're glad you get to be here to see to reap the fruits of your work there I guess yeah I mean it's been uh, you know we put together about a three year we had some staff changing and then. Uh, kind of had to rebuild for about three years and you know, we had a women's top 10 finish last year and a men's top 10 finish and so we kind of feel like we're you know we're pretty close back to where we expect to be and you know we'd love to win again that's everybody's goal at florida state but uh you know just to be in the hunt and you know be a top four team and maybe uh take a trophy that's always a a great goal for the kids to get out on the infield on tv and hold up a top four trophy that's a big deal for uh for them and for our staff, so uh, so yeah, we hope we're we hope we're poised to do that again. And um, beyond that, it's pretty unpredictable, isn't it? <laughs> 
Well, it, you would know more about that than us. I mean, it, you know, there's a, there's good competition out there, certainly. And we, we don't need to go too deep into what you've got on the track side, except I'll, I'll, I'll give one more question to what you just said. You, you've got a, a team, especially on the men's side, that is going to have a chance to not just get to the podium, but but maybe to compete for a national title this year. Is that right? Yeah, we've got a really good group. Um, you know, we and again, I think we're set up for about two years, and then of course after that, you got to keep keep turning. But um, yeah, we've got a good group, and uh, the transfer portal has just been uh, as crazy as it is to the public. It's crazy in our sport as well, and. Um, the difference is in track and field, they can get a one-time transfer exception, and if they're released, they're immediately eligible. And so we've got everything from, you know, guys coming for graduate school to, you know, coaches that left and the university released them. So we've got some real veterans in addition to the big group we've got coming back. Um, so that gives us a chance, and we're pretty excited about it. Bob, if you were, for lack of a better phrase, commissioner of collegiate track and field, and you could make changes, alter things, what's the number one thing that needs to change at the collegiate level for track and field that you would like to see if you if you had the, the, the authority and the ability to implement it? Yeah, that's a great question, Keith. I, I think that the transfer thing across the board really needs to be examined. Um, you know, back in my day, you could transfer, but you sat out a year. And I'm not so sure that shouldn't be the rule, and it should be the rule across all sports. So there shouldn't be a, a one-time transfer exception in Olympic sports, but not in football or basketball. You know, those things, you know, the athletes are athletes, and situation for a transfer student is the same everywhere. So that would be the one thing that I think would make a lot more sense. If you sit out a year, but you're allowed to be on scholarship, you got to make a pretty serious decision to transfer if you know you're going to sit out a year, and then that the waiver process would truly be a hardship case. Illness in the family, uh, you know, financial situations or academic situations. So maybe that's not a track rule, but it may would make sense if, if it were in all sports. Let's bring it back to cross country because that's what's in season right now. And I know that you guys are hosting regionals this year. Uh, both the men and women did that last year and, and advanced on. So just give us an overview of what you've got and then uh, what Coach Kelly Phillips has on the women's side. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's exciting year. Um, both teams made it last year, and both teams were coming off of about a you know two or three year gap of not making it to nationals. And the top thirty one teams in the country. Uh, qualify and um, it's a one-day championship you are who you are at that national meet unfortunately for us we were running through the snow of wisconsin and that doesn't go too well for the boys from florida state so uh, or the girls but uh coach phillips has a really good team this year i know they're they're trying to be in the top 10 that's their goal and our men's team is better than last year but we're going to have to be just to make it to the meet so we're trying to build on that um maybe get into the top 20 is a possibility for the guys, but um, it's, it's early and they're doing a great job, but it, it definitely helps that we host the regional, which is the national qualifier uh, on our wonderful course out there. Well, and also in a couple of years, you won't have to be, worry about running through the snow in Wisconsin because you're hosting an NCAA championship in, in uh, I think it's 21. So I know that's that's years in the making and still a couple of years away. But that's a that's a nice feather in your cap, your cap, and and the many others who've been involved in carving out that course. And and uh, and, and Tallahassee, I know, is a great running community. But in general, congrats on that. Yeah, thanks so much on that, Tom. It was it was a lot of work, and you know the county did so much, and and. Uh, you know, obviously visit Tallahassee and, and the commissioners, and they just saw it as a revenue piece and also a showcase piece. And so we've become kind of a one of maybe two or three places in the country that's kind of a cross-country capital. And so we're going to get that national championship in two years. And uh, I guarantee you nobody's going to be complaining about the weather the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Well, although the way we're going, it might be 102, you know, and you'd probably like it that way with a lot of humidity. Or in the middle of a hurricane. We can never tell. <laughs> yeah, you can never. Uh, hurricane season is uh, well, it's probably, what, from May to December now, right? Yeah, <laughs> it feels like. Hey, you know, I know I know, we just moved across country, but I forgot to ask you about uh, you kind of glossed over some staff changes. But but tell us a little bit about Matt Kane, who I think was just announced in the last week or two, who's going to coach the, uh, I guess, all your hurdlers and the women's sprinters. 
Yeah, we were really fortunate to get Matt. Um, you know, Brandon Hahn was offered a, a, an opportunity at Texas A&M that he really couldn't turn down, and he wants to be head coach someday. And Coach Pat Henry at Texas A&M is kind of the godfather. You know, he, he places a lot of people in jobs. And so that was Brandon's move, and Brandon did a great job for us. And so he left Matt Cain just some incredible talent, and we brought some in as well. But, you know, Matt was a professional coach and had people at the World Championship Finals, and he just missed collegiate coaching. About three years ago, he left for the professional ranks, and before that, he had national champions at Alabama and Oklahoma. So we really the timing of it was fantastic because, um, you know, it's not really more money. It's just the desire to work with kids that are that much more passionate rather than professionals where, you know, everything's about, about the world championships or Olympic games. And if you don't make the final, then you don't get paid the next year, you know? So it's, it's much less of a business than Matt was really excited to get back to that. So we got lucky that it was the right time for Matt to come back and uh, he's going to do a great job for us. Congrats there. Hey, Bob, as we wrap up, I'm going to test Keith real quick. Uh Oh, (laughs) do you know how many ACC championships Bobby Bowden won? During his coaching days. I'm going to go with uh, 12. 14. Okay. Do you know how many Bob Brayman? Uh, I'm going to go with more than 14. Try twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do coach twice as many teams as he did. So that's, see, that's I, was, I, I was trying to build you up there, Bob, but he, <laughs> Coach Brayman's got 28. 21 on the men's side and 7 on the women's side. Well, I know one thing that Coach Brayman has that Coach Bowden didn't have. That's back-to-back national championships. Well, and let's not short him because the NCAA doesn't have perfect over this show. Because it was back-to-back-to-back national championships. We we can say that here. Bob, appreciate it, and uh, best of luck this season, and uh, we'll see you out on the track in the spring as well. Thanks, guys. I really enjoy your show, and we appreciate the support. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Bob Brainer. Thanks, guys. I go no. Long-time track and field coach. That really is a feather in their cap, Uh, not not just – Bob and FSU's, but to host the national championships in a couple of years, that will be a big deal. Well, how about this? You know, hard time saying this directly, but what what does it say about an Olympic coach that deserves and gets a five year contract? Well, it helps with recruiting, helps with stability, uh, and all that. I mean, that just doesn't happen in today's collegiate world, but it should have happened, did happen, and deserved to happen at FSU. Let's talk about the transfer topic that he brought up because football is where that dominates the landscape. But here you have a track and field coach, and it's turned his world upside down too. I just want to close the point, though, about he's got 28 conference championships, which is fourth all-time in the history of ACC coaches. The other three in front of him are also track and field coaches because, to his point, there's an indoor season, an outdoor season, there's men's and women's, and and you're coaching cross-country too, so you've got a lot of opportunities a year. But – that said, 28 is a nice number. I, I I believe it's a great number, if you understand. Yeah, I, I thought you were number 26. No, that's just in the program. Okay, we'll take a break and come back <laughs> after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ. And Keith, I mentioned the uh, the transfer topic. That seems to always be there 24 7 365 so we we went this way in the name of student athletes uh, having more freedom and the coaches will leave at the drop of a hat we know that firsthand but that's long been the case and there's no repercussions there they just sign a bigger contract so we got into this space now where student athletes have uh, i don't know if i call it similar freedom because you still need to go through a review process if you're talking about jordan travis and football but there's at least more of an ability to move around but it appears uh, we may have overcorrected and maybe need to dial it back. Well, and, and I think Bob, Coach Brayman brought up a, a very good point that there needs to be consistency. I personally was unaware that track and field and cross country had that one-time waiver, if you will. 
Um, well, remember a while back, baseball you used to be able to go from one to the other without sitting down. That's true. That's yeah. true. I hadn't thought about that. But whatever the rule is, I would like to see it be applicable to all sports. I think his point is very valid. Uh, the other thing that it creates, however, is particularly when it comes to paying attention, is it's another avenue of recruiting. You've got to be careful about how you do it. And so that's more time that the coaches have to spend to whatever degree they choose to looking at the transfer portal, seeing who is there, making calls, trying to find out things above and beyond recruiting seniors in high school and obviously juniors and sophomores before that as you're getting ready. Uh, But repeating myself, I'd like to see some consistency. I personally don't – I still don't like the transfer portal. Uh, I think there should be another mechanism to do that. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a horse's tail in that I'm saying I don't like something and I don't have an alternative. Um, but it, but it, the more it's becoming important, the more people that are using it, the more they're going to have to spend some time tweaking it and, and finding a way to make it right. Well, this is two years in a row now where we've had a high-profile quarterback who's just shutting it down after four games. I mean, Clemson had it on a national championship team, didn't even want to stick around to be the backup wanted to move on this year and now it's uh it's Bryles former quarterback at, at Houston who's played four games and what a circus this has been first it was he's transferring he's going to the transfer portal no now he's just redshirting he's waiting for next year which means clearly he's going to be in the transfer, transfer portal in January yeah, or whatever. As, as soon as the season is over uh which means those rumors will be out there that he's coming here and I have no idea but that's not a great scenario if that's where you are no, and, and, and again, I go back, you know, some of us that are my age or even older, the old school, you make a decision, you stick with it. You know, I, I've come to understand that's just not the way, unfortunately, society is working today like it did 40 or 50 years ago. But still, uh, having a consistent mechanism uh, in order for everybody to be playing on the same field um, or, or court or whatever the case may be. I think would be a good move. Uh, I just don't know what those answers are yet. People, people above my pay grade will have to figure that out. You do have the answer for do-it-yourself projects. No however. question, because if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, if you have one, then go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can call them at 580-1200 or online at CTF. Dot in you. you know where I don't know that it would get this far out because it's a couple years away, but there's proposed legislation in California that would allow players to make uh, dollars off of their likeness. Which, by the way, is a complete and total farce. I'll let you finish and then I'll tell you why. Well, no, I do tell because it's going to shoot my comment out of the water probably. There'll be four or six or maybe eight on the football team that get money, and the rest of them ain't getting nothing. I don't disagree. So you're you're suggesting that that doesn't solve it's gonna, this? It's going to create divisions within the team, and there's going to you're going to create haves and have-nots. Period. This is a bigger conversation than I wanted to have right now. But that's well, you that's brought the, it up. That's the well. No, what I was going to say is from an NCAA. So to your point, though, if you're the NCAA, why do you oppose it? It's going to be you know, Florida State's got 500 athletes. Six of them are going to benefit from their likeness. So why are you standing in the way of that? Which is the the hill they're choosing to die on. I was simply going to say that uh, you know, if they're going to tweak the transfer portal and walk it back, they could do it at the same time. They say we're going to go ahead and let let student athletes make dollars off of their likeness. And then we're just going to tighten this up a little bit. So at least there's some give while they're taken yeah. away. That was, now, that was my point there. I've expressed my opinion. Now, to be fair, I will concede one thing. <clears throat> Part of the conversation is that whatever the money is generated, the athlete would not have access to until he or she graduated. I, I, I can kind of buy into that. I think that, that might be a reasonable check. But again, no pun intended, check. But, you know – if I know I can play for four years and I'm going to have $100,000 in the bank when I get my degree and I because I'm the quarterback and I'm the backup right tackle and I ain't going to have anything, I'm not going to be real happy with my quarterback over time. I'm sorry. It's just the way human nature is. But that human nature then would extend to any team, wouldn't it, where you get the quarterback making $25 million and you're a grunt lineman who's making – That's called professional. 
unless and until we want to make this professional, it's still student athlete. Now, if you want to change that, that's a whole other argument. Well, I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but I don't know how you get there because of gender equity and finding enough revenue to do it for all 20 sports in the case of FSU. I mean, I, I, I sit here marveling, you know, what my life would have been like differently for four years at Florida State if I had just gotten the full cost of attendance stipend. Who would you have been – what product would you have pitched and how much do you think they would have paid you for your likeness back in your playing? 1979, Keith Jones – uh, I would probably be uh, Florida Dairy Farmers. I would be the original milk boy. <laughs> and it would have. Because of my blonde hair. Gotcha. And how much do you think that would have. Uh, oh, I probably could have. You probably would have. You would have never gone into risk management or broadcast. Oh, I mean, you could have just. You'd have been kicking back by 1981. I'd, 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 been, I'd been on a stool milking cows all my life. <laughs> Oh, it will be. It will get interesting on that. We we what we should do is we should take a a dead period of the year, not dead on the recruiting calendar, because that, <laughs> there is none. There is none now. I don't care what the NCAA book says. No, July basically, and actually do a much more informed show that's a deeper dive about the merits each way on that because that 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 topic's not going away. Um, I don't think I have anything else for this show though, so we can go away. Well, except that we, we uh, as Bob talked about, um, the first Bob, not the second, uh, this ball game on Saturday night, twofold. Number one, fans need to come out. It was quite disheartening to have 46,000 people in the stands last Saturday. I understand why. I'm not complaining, and I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying it was disheartening. would like to see the stadium with some more people. And number two, Florida State's got to win this ball game uh, for all the reasons that Bob talked about and others. Uh, this is a very, 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 very important part of the season for for 2019 for this ball club i can't add anything to it you're absolutely right the crowd will be better it's family weekend so good. the, the good. crowd will definitely be better uh i can't guarantee victory i do feel pretty good about this game though and i've been i've been dead on the last two weeks not only have you been dead on you have been picking the correct winner and for those that don't know on the pre-game show he's been predicting the correct score Mr. Soothsayer over here. I had 31-24 Virginia, and last week I had 34-24 FSU. And damn if Aguayo didn't make that last game. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of here. We'll do this again next week. He's Keith. I'm Tom. This is Front Row Knowles.